We're back with another PW Torch VIP podcast vault for Monday, February 26, 2024. Today we jump back 18 years to part two of the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show from February 25th, 2006. And this installment includes our discussion on Rey Mysterio being added to the WrestleMania main event, potential plans for Rob Van Dam at WrestleMania, thoughts on the second ECW reunion pay-per-view, the Sting-Alex Shelley angle, Samoa Joe's contract extension, the impact of the new CEO and TNA on Jeff Jarrett's dominant, the WCW reunion pay-per-view with the discussion of the name and talent and promoter and viability, WWE.com's confusing presentation format, and Vince McMahon's big announcement. This is the latest in our ongoing series of some of the earliest surviving insider pro wrestling podcasts you'll find anywhere. This is Torch Editor Wade Keller along with Torch columnist Bruce Mitchell for the Bruce Mitchell Audio Update Part 2 for Saturday, February 25th. Uh, Bruce, your thoughts on Rey Mysterio being added to the WrestleMania main event? You know, I haven't seen SmackDown yet since we've talked about this, but um, I, I have read the spoiler, and I don't think it's any big. And I don't think it was any big plot point in it. But I don't get it. I don't think it works out of the storyline. I mean, I think it works out of okay. You know, we've exploited Eddie Guerrero's death, and people people are really kind of upset that he's not in the he's not in the main event. But if he's in the WrestleMania main event, then he got rewarded for. Um, you know, for going along with this angle. But as far as the storyline goes, the guy got beat according to their own condition, and he got beat by Randy Orton. So why would he be, why would they turn around and put him in the WrestleMania main event? I mean, I could even see if they, you know, they spent two more seconds thinking about it, and if they said, okay, you know, he got, he got cheated. Yeah. But then you got to take Orton out. And then you got to take Orton out. And, you know, give him. A, I think you're thinking ahead of me, but I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, if I if you said, okay, you know, you got cheated, and then we'll have another match, and then they had another match. You know, if he beat Orton, then he would be in, and Orton would be out. And you know, the plan had always been for Orton to beat Angle, but now I think they're I think they're vacillating, whatever the word is, vacillating on that. They're not sure about that. Um, That's another thing that, you know, direction was not strong for WrestleMania, but yeah. they're, you know, they don't know whether they want to do that or not. So, um, you know, you could have them have a match and, you know, both get knocked out and counted out and then say, well, but, you know, obviously there's a, there's an even thing here. Or you could, you could have Ray cheat and win, which you don't want Ray cheating and winning because he's, he really is, you know, the old, the old time babyface. So, um, you know, and then say, well, both of them get in. But still, they should do something better than just, oh, okay, you got to grab the ropes and he pins you. Well, we'll put you in WrestleMania. Okay, let's let's put aside how much how little sense it makes. And, of course, we're speaking from such authority, having not seen it play out on TV yet. But I think we've got a pretty good idea from the spoilers. So, uh, yeah, but, I'll be. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to have to revise our comments. I, I agree. The Storyline-wise, they didn't work really hard, nor do they ever, because what they're thinking is, what do we think will work best? And then they work backwards from there with, you know, only half the energy at most putting in to try to make it make sense. But the bottom line is they want Ray in that match, and they did not think that a few weeks ago. So do you think it helps WrestleMania, if you put aside the nonsense of how he got there, that he is in the main event? Because I think it does. I think they'll sell more WrestleMania buys with the prospect of underdog Rey Mysterio in a world title match with a chance to win for Eddie or for himself coming out of that event. Well, yeah, I mean, I've never understood the idea that he was going to work a semi-main if he is one of the, you know, arguably the focus of SmackDown. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, I would make the argument he's the number one star on SmackDown. Yep. 
I mean, you know, Kurt Angle's the champion, but I would still say Rey Mysterio. I, I think Rey Mysterio's the one that people turn turn in to see, and that, and not only that, it's not a you know, it's not one of those Rob Van Dam things where it's, Rey Mysterio's the one they turn in to see, but they don't they don't push him. They push him. Yeah. They push this whole storyline on this quest and all that. So, um, I know it's a long term storyline, and I you know. And I, I know that there's been promises made that he'd get the title and all that kind of thing down down the road. And, and as you know, as well you know, you know some of those some of those creative promises turn out, and some of them don't for what, for for various reasons. And but still, I mean, I think that yeah, you're right. If you take aside you, know, you take aside the logic, and even if with the bad logic, it helps. It's going to help WrestleMania, I think. Um, I'm not crazy about three a three way in a WrestleMania main event. Uh, to me, the three way is kind of the compromise, you know, the compromise thing you do, and the off, you know, on the off months and the off brand pay per views um, instead of the, you know, instead of the big branded WrestleMania. But um, I would think that Rey Mysterio is pushed and is one of the major stars in the company, and I would want him in this. And I also just think if you're making everybody nauseous with this um, Eddie Guerrero stuff. Then you want it to like you want to go see see it really had a I think that's part of what's going on see see it really had a point yeah so um you know and and that's that's what it is there but yeah I mean as far as if I just think okay marketability and excitement Randy Orton versus Kurt Angle marketability is not very good at all no depending on, you know I can I can make the argument that, that particularly after Sunday when we saw Randy Orton have a pretty you know pretty good performance. Very good. Yeah. The performance, um, and we saw Kurt Angle have a very good, you know, have a very good performance. Yeah, you can say, good. okay, in the ring, that's going to be that potentially be a pretty uh. good match at WrestleMania. But still, as far as just matchup and excitement, and again, kind of what you just said, we haven't seen them go all the way to WrestleMania and what they have in mind for these two to talk about. And, and remember too, remember too that Kurt Angle against Randy Orton was not the match planned a year ago. Batista against Randy Orton was. Right. So, you know, they, they get Kurt Angle and Randy and they start thinking, God, you know, we don't have a lot of backstory to this match. And, you know, we might need to add something to it. So I give them some slack for saying, you know, let's make the best of, of, of an impromptu situation, something we couldn't plan for far ahead. And, you know, it makes sense to not have Ray against Chavo with Chavo turning heel um, or, or something to that effect or throw him in the money in the bank match. It makes more sense to get him in there with Angle and Randy and let's, let's, let's let that make this match interesting because Angle and Randy just don't have the history to make it a WrestleMania-worthy co-main event. Yeah, that's, um, that, that's right. And so, um, I mean, I think, I think it does help. I would, rather, I would rather see just Kurt Angle. I mean, to me, this is a simple one. This is, this is Rey Mysterio dedicates the match to the memory of Eddie Guerrero and and Kurt Angle defends and Kurt Angle is still you know and even though they don't like having babyface versus the babyface in this case you do you know Kurt Angle is you know Kurt Angle is the babyface and, and you know putting it on the, all on the line and fighting him for it and, and Ray wins and, and all that but I think they you know I think they want to tell a longer term story but that I mean to me that's what you, that's what you do here and it ties into you know it ties into Eddie being in the Hall of Fame yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Rob Van Dam. You brought him up a minute ago. Rob Van Dam not uh, did not come away Monday with a WrestleMania title shot. Do you think WWE should have thrown out a year's worth of plans and said, you know what, Rob Van Dam's a hotter star. Let's just find a way to get him in the main event of WrestleMania because he's fresher than Triple H and Cena, where the fans are, you know, the fans are behind Cena, but the fans see Cena as a star, but they're not willing to cheer him like we want him to. And Hunter's pretty cold. 
uh, let's let's just find a way to just shake everything up and get Rob Van Dam in there one way or another. Or are they kind of smart to hold course, especially if they've got plans for RVD after Mania, and stick with Cena Hunter, just given the fact that there aren't a lot of other options? Um, you know, you know, when we do our phony arguments, we make, we make plans on who's going to say what for our phony arguments for these things. Um, I know we brought up the fact that um, I really disagreed with you about the 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 main event at Raw. I thought it was not a very good match. I thought that I thought R V D was missing stuff and Triple H was Triple H and Big Show big and fat and not that good. I mean I just I, I think I think right now we kind of good maybe mediocre matches are now good and, and um good matches are now great kind of thing. But I mean I think guys are getting older and all that. Um but that's not even what you um asked me. <laughs> no, it isn't. Huh? No it isn't, but go ahead. But anyway, I was trying yeah. to do the phony, uh, so we can start the phony argument. Yeah. Um, There's nothing phony about our arguments. No, that's the boy. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, everybody pauses uncomfortably. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Well, we don't take it personally for, well, maybe, no, no, we don't. I don't. That's because I'm a bigger person than you. Yeah, all right. All right, so there you go. Um, but no, um, you know, if if what they had done... It's too late now. I mean, it's even too late Monday night. If what they had done had planned to um, plan to take Rob Van Dam when he came out of his when he came off of his um, you know year long rehabilitation and really thought through something that kind of connected up with what happened at One Night Stand and had him you know put him you know and put him boom major guy we're going to push him to the moon. I can see that well, as soon as he came back. But as soon as he came back, they they did, you know, he's already lost a couple of times. He's already, you know, he was out there with Snitsky just to prove that he's not the greatest worker in the world. And he's not. And to prove that, you know, to prove this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, he's already lost. It. You know, he he had his little run at, at, you know, he had his run in the Royal Rumble where he was one of the top, you know, when he's the top second-tier guys and all that. But they really come through and said, okay, we're going to um, – we're gonna push this guy to the moon, and you know that he came out against Edge. You really Edge is the champion. You might have, might have really had something new and fresh. Yeah. You know, and and had him, you know, and had him go. But what you've got now, you kind of got the same. It, it's already too late. It was it was already that's, too late Monday night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I said in my update yesterday. Yeah. That it was just too late. To, too late to just five weeks out. Take you know. I mean. John Cena's been the headliner for a year. Triple H is the, you know, along with Kurt Angle and Undertaker, the, la- the last of the three holdouts of true top-level main eventers from the Monday Night War era. It's kind of WrestleMania's got a semblance of tenure that, that goes along with getting that top spot. And, and, and had they planned it two months ahead, I think they could have done something with it. I just don't think with four or five weeks they can completely change it and still have it feel like WrestleMania. Yeah, and you know what? I honestly think, I honestly think they've made their point with um, RVD as soon as they got back. And, and the point is made. He's, um, for the people that really want him to do something else, he is he's one of the top second-tier guys. Yeah. And that's what they're going to do. You know, it's that thing, you know, Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy, when he came back, well, that's how we always saw him. So yeah. he's getting what he always got. They're all about affirming their consistency. Yeah, and, you know, Rob Van Dam, that's what we always saw. And, you know, Rob Van Dam misses moves, and he's too stiff and all that stuff. Um but he's got that unique thing about him, and he's got that unique style that people get into. And yeah. and and there's you know that they you know he's and then you know he's a guy that that the fans like more than they than, than WWE wants them to like him. And yeah. so you can't reward that. 
you know, yeah. Lord knows, that's, you know, you can't, you can't ever reward that. So, um, how, how, how does WrestleMania look at this point to you? I mean, we'll talk, we'll probably bring this up every week for a month, but given where the hype is right now, does this feel like it has a chance to feel like a, a full-fledged, pretty big-time annual biggest show of the year, or is this a, is this a pretty weak uh, WrestleMania-type lineup? Well, they were in Trenton, New Jersey, which for all intents and purposes is New York, and um, Cena got the big-time booze again. Now I don't know whether that's a one night New you know New York New Yorkers are all assholes thing, or it's you know the yeah. start up of the same stuff again. Yeah. And, and my sense is, if I had to bet, and I don't have, I don't have to bet, but if I had to bet, it's the start of the same old you know the same John Cena stuff again. So and is that is that from watching TV or reading reports or both? Reading reports and being told. Because because yeah. I mean I I got like four or five reports from the arena, and a couple said Cena got booed a lot, and a couple others said it was a lot less than than last time they were in the market, and. I don't know who to believe. I mean, it, it was pretty explicit. They said Edge did some mic work before the dark match, and the fans turned against him and cheered Cena. And then others were saying there was booing. I think it had to do with what section of the crowd you were in. It may happen. Yeah. And you know, and you know, I you know, there's that part where it's um, second generation, and I wasn't there too. Yeah. And you're right. Um, you know, as far as that goes, but if, it, it just wasn't. It was not a repeat of the Meadowlands. I mean, it wasn't even close. Right. So, um, but still, I mean, I just don't have. You know, they did. They. I don't have any problem with. Starting the starting the face off with a face off the way they did. Yeah. I mean that's kind of you know the symbolism is there. It's not too much, but it is something. You know he's not giving away too much, but he's giving you're starting something off, and that and that's fine. But I don't have a huge amount of faith in and the two of them talking back and forth. Now I will say this: that Triple H has had plenty of time to reflect on how he wants to feud with. I'm John Cena, so I bet whatever they have in mind it has been planned for a long time. Does that make it good or not? We'll see. And the plans can be really good, and the chemistry's not th- and the chemistry not been there, and it, it can flop. And I don't know. The, I mean, I'm, I'm not convinced the chemistry's there with that. Uh, we kind of talked about you know the SmackDown main event of Kurt Angle and um, the, Kurt, the three with Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, and and Rey Mysterio. And there's something there, and there's something not. And I think we saw. You know, I mean, I think we saw. Um, Sunday night and No Way Out, at least for the crowd that was there, the heat wasn't off the charts. In fact, it wasn't that good for Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio, which tells me that, you know, aside from, you know, aside from, um, you know, common human decency issues that we talked about a lot, this, um, exploiting Eddie Guerrero's death and saying that, you know, he's in hell and all that didn't work. You know, didn't it didn't get the okay? We're going to take this horrible chance to do these horrible things, but there's going to be this big payoff for everybody. Well, the payoff wasn't there. Yeah. And you know, so that to me is, um, you know, that to me is, tr- is, is trouble too. I, I think that everybody's kind of on the kind of got the idea that this year WrestleMania just isn't going to be quite the thing. The one thing that is strong is. Um, Looks to be pretty good and pretty strong. We have a good soap opera going in and out of it. Is is this a man and Shawn Michaels and Mickey and Trish? But that's you know that's yeah we are. But I, mean, I mean it's, it's not a top four money match, but it, it at least there'll be a women's match that feels like it's one of the most anticipated singles women's matches because of the storyline behind it. I think it'll be a good television story, and I think that people you know I think people will be into it. But it's going to be you know it's going to be an eight minute WrestleMania yeah. match. I mean yeah. that's, you know it's going to be an eight minute. minute this card needs match. this this card needs everything it can get on the undercard to boost up the whole show. That I guess that, you know that's a real positive. That's yeah. that's true. Yeah. I mean as, as far as and I'm not knocking I'm not knocking that. I think that I, I think that that's one of the things that they're 
they're pretty much except they're pretty much doing right except for you know having the matches themselves. Yeah. What what about the scenario of Rob Van Dam winning the Money in a Bank match at WrestleMania and then cashing it in at the ECW pay per view and uh, and challenging Triple H and perhaps winning the title at the ECW pay per view? Well. You know, I mean that that might that might be all right for. I mean, you'd, I guess you'd have to do it that that he he wins it and then he um, then he makes the challenge before before the pay per view. You know, in other words, it's part of the hype. He goes out and says, I, you know, I get to do this and I, you know, want to let me do this, but I'm going to do it at ECW. And if he won it, I think people would expect that, and they might get another year out of ECW that I don't think they can get. Yeah, that's not the worst. You know that's not the worst idea in the world. Because Rob Rob can lose it back in in, uh, in a right, Hell in a he Cell would, type match. He would lose it back in Hell in a Cell. In Hell in a Cell or on yeah. television, you know he'd lose it back either on television in a week or two or yeah. you know in the next next pay per view. I mean, yeah. you know they're not going they're not going to validate ECW like that for very long. In fact, they may not do it at all. Yeah. No, I know. I'm just you know it's just it's something yeah, that's, that's being talked about. All the things I've heard, circles, and, I, and, I, and I literally. Had not heard that possibility, even thought about it until you said it. Um, yeah. As far as EC, as far as ECW yeah. One Night Stand goes, I always, I kind of think though that um, that Money in the Bank is something of a heel gimmick, even though you I know, have to kind of it is. You know, that's going to do it the way is, they did with Edge again. This is the one exception where it really, I mean, because I, I said that too in my audio in my audio update earlier. I said that. Uh, that Carlito, you know, is a great guy to win Money in the Bank and just carry that around, you know, real cocky and make a big deal out of it. But this is a great opportunity to take that gimmick and break away the predictability of it, you know, where in future years, if you make an annual tradition, yeah, four out of five times a heel's going to win. This is that one out of five times where it makes total sense to have a babyface win and then cash it in, you know, announce a month later you're cashing it in for the ECW pay-per-view. Yeah, and, you know, and then you could have the I don't want to do it, and I hate ECW, and all that kind of crap. I don't have to wrestle on an ECW pay-per-view. This is ridiculous, and Hunter protests, and, you know, lawyers step in, and Vince just finally says, gosh, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. You have to. That's what the step said, and Hunter goes in as a reluctant champion. It's 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 exactly the old Ric Flair. I mean, it's Ric Flair built his career on it. He was the, the traveling world champion who came into the to territory to defend against the territory's hero. And that's, in, in a sense, that's as close as you're going to come as an ECW setting in New York on an ECW brand pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, that, that may be, that may get another, you know, that may be get another year out of it, because I really, all I could think of was Rob Van Dam, you know, JBL going out there and enjoying healing on ECW, and I think that just wouldn't, I well, don't that's... think that would carry, carry anywhere near as much weight. Well, yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about it. I can see, I, I see out of that. But yeah, that's interesting. Since last week's Bruce Mitchell audio update, we, we had the announcement that Taz and Heyman made that uh, there would be another ECW pay-per-view. And, and so, I mean, you kind of have shown your cards on that, but do, do, do you think there's a chance that – are you pretty convinced it's going to bomb, or do you think there's a chance they could make this work? And would you even do a second one based on, you know, the real feel-good 10.0 score you gave the first one? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, I would have if they followed up and if they – if they'd have followed up out of the momentum that they had for that, and and kept it alive in, in certain ways, kept it alive in certain ways, and even you know with with more DVD releases, I know they just had one recently, but you know more DVD releases in the last six months and specials and kind of talking about ECW and and um, talking about what happened and had some storylines to come out of it just to keep the idea alive. And I think that yeah, it could have built for a year and really turned into you know turned into 
you know, something that was alive again. But they, you know, for a lot of reasons, they didn't want to do that. And one of them is that ECW just simply was created somewhere else. Yeah. By somebody else that wasn't in WWE. And then also it was created by Paul Heyman, who, um, they don't want, you know, they don't want to have too much power anywhere. And that's, you know, they, you know, they think of like a problem. And, and he is a problem. So, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So the fact that they let it die off so, so quickly, um, and then turn around and turn around and do it. Really, it, it to me one of the things about one night stand that that I gave it the ten was it was the, it was a satisfying ending to the to the to the story. Yeah, I, when I asked the question, I thought people are going to think I mean since you gave it a ten, they should for sure do another one. And I really meant it the other way. One of the reasons you gave it a ten is it wasn't chapter one in an ongoing story. You thought it was a really fitting final chapter. Right, and so so then you turn around and go, okay, well we had the happy ending. And then you come back, you know, you come back, you know, Ross and Rachel are together, and I'm not, you know, I'm not Dave Meltzer, I wasn't a Friends fanatic or anything, but, um, you know, Ross and Rachel are together. Now let's go back and see how Ross and Rachel are doing. It's like, no, the story's over. Yeah. You wanted to see them get together. We got the happy ending. You know, now now what? Do you, now there's really nothing left. To, there's no story really left to left to say. Well, if, if NBC didn't pay syndication money or didn't pay the type of money to the Friends cast that they did, they might get together for a reunion movie. But times have changed, and actors like to move on. And you know, and the other thing is, those reunion movies. A lot of times, it's exactly what I'm talking about. You're sitting there going, "Oh God, I really didn't want to see this." Yeah. But um, and and and. and, and Sort of a similar way, and not really. But the other thing is the style of ECW that tore those people's bodies apart. Yeah. There's real, you know, it's another year, and so who's left? You know, between death and you know, death and 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 just you know, you know, what do you do? You bring back Mikey Whipwreck. I mean, you do, you know, you look at that, you look at the cast of talent, and who's available, and who, you know, who would you want to put on a national pay per view? It's pretty darn limited. I mean, they did miss Terry Funk the last time, but Terry Funk is another year older and, you know, for all intents and purposes, retired. And I've seen him in the last year, and I've seen how he moves and all that, and I don't, you know, and I love the guy, but I don't know how, I don't know how you could, what you could do with him on a national, you know, even with all the um, sentiment that that would, you know, would blind people and, and all that, and I'm glad it does, but um, would blind people too some things. I still don't think he could, you could pull that off. And you look, you know, Tommy, you know, Tommy Dreamer. Well, you gave to- Tommy Dreamer had his happy ending. Yeah. You know, he had that. That was an amazing, you know, amazingly appropriate, amazingly, you know, kind of sentimental ending. And he ended up, you know, you know, face full of blood, lost the match, you know, which fit, which fit exactly what he did, hugging people and all that. Well, you, you go back and do that again. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, what you know, what do you do? And and you can't have. You know, Eric Bischoff has written out. You know, was you know was the per- in a lot of ways was the perfect foil, and you can't really bring him back. He has no power in the storyline anymore. He's been kicked out of Raw, and we've already seen him get his. Vincent Man gave him his, and you know it, it's just it's it's tough when you start putting the putting the elements back together again. And we, you know, and there's also that thing. Five years, we've never seen a promotion come back that was the cool promotion and come back and do that. And that carried a lot of power. I mean, that, that did, and, and they, you know, they did it. We can't, you know, what do you, you can't. Steve Austin, you know, congratulating or giving a nod to Sandman. Can't do that again either. And yeah. you know, you can't. And what other moment could you have? I mean, that was, you know, that was a perfect moment. That was really, you know, that was really. 
I think you have fantasy, to you know your fantasy ECW show, and that was. I think what I mean, what you got, I mean, just off the top of my head, because I haven't thought, I thought about it, but I haven't thought it through totally. But I think if you do Rob Van Dam Hunter, you, 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 the rest doesn't matter if you do that right. I mean, I really think you can pull it off. I really think it, it harkens back. Yeah, to, I think you might be right. It, you know, you got Ric Flair coming into Dallas to take on one of the Von Erichs. It's the equivalent of that at the peak of the Von Erichs. You got Rob Van Dam epitomizing ECW. If he didn't wrestle on last year's show, which would work out to their benefit in the long run, you put him in a position that truly matters, and you bring in a reluctant heel who epitomizes everything ECW doesn't stand for and stands against. The establishment, the family member, the dominant you know, the dominant heel who hogs TV time. I mean, it's just, it's a perfect setup. And then if if you can, you get Mick Foley to uh, team up with Taz, who decides to come out of retirement, but in a six-man environment where he can be protected, and maybe one other representative of ECW, Tommy Dreamer, and you put him in a six-man tag against JBL and uh, Eminem or something. I don't know. I mean, JBL and two heels. And, and and that's your second from the top. And then the undercard is just some ECW, you know, talent wrestling each other in brawls. You can probably get away with that another year. Yeah, I, I think think you might cut another year. And, you know, the one thing I hear listening to that is would, you know, would Triple H really want to do that? Yeah. And, you know, and, and then I can see them making the argument. And I, I would do it the what you're talking about. I'd go ahead and do that because I, I think there's something. It's hard to get these off-brand pay-per-views to feel special, and that would, that would still carry over some of that specialness. Um, but would you, you know, they're going to make the argument, well, do we want to interrupt our, our plans on Raw for a month or two and waste another pay-per-view on Rob Van Dam on top and all that kind of thing just to get this over with, yeah. just to get this one pay-per-view over and just to get this ECW name over with that really was, we were lucky to get it the first time, and it really was, you know, the bingo hall. And, you know, there's also, you know, also going to be that feeling of Joey Styles. They're, you know, they're not happy with Joey Styles, and they're going to think of ECW. This is the kind of guy that comes out of ECW. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not fair, and it's not – and when I'm saying this, it's not fair, and I'm not even saying Joey Styles is doing a bad job. It's just trying to think of – you know, I can think of the objections to it, uh, trying to, you know, trying to think of how they, how they think, and I can see that too. So, But, I mean, I think that, what, I think that the idea of Rob Dam winning money in the bank – and making a dramatic challenge to Triple H as, as WWE champion is the is the one good idea for this thing. What are your thoughts on the on the angle with Alex Shelley uh, secretly filming Sting? I, I'll, I'll preface just by saying I like it because it's somebody who you wouldn't expect being set up for a feud with Sting. It's not an established name. They're actually taking somebody and letting in creating a scenario where maybe Alex Shelley gets some rub from working with Sting. So my my short answer is I think it's a real positive looking at the surface right now. You know what, Wade? Honest to God. I, I when I when I heard about this when I read this and all that, it never for a second occurred to me that, that Alex Shelley would have a match with Sting. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even. Um, yeah. You know, I just thought, okay, this guy has this gimmick and it's a good way to get. And I thought it was kind of clever. Yeah. Uh, he like he's this creepy guy who who films people and he goes and films Sting and so then you have some footage to show of Sting to talk about you know, Sting you know and to kind of run him down a little bit and. And also show you know show him on your television to lead to wherever you you know to lead to his return however you're you're going with it, but um, unless you do you know unless you do the only way I can I can consider them I can see them doing that is to put on TV and say in two you know Sting says he's coming back in two weeks and he's only coming back and he's going to come back because he wants to beat up Alex Shelley yeah 
and you can say that, and that's the only thing he's, he's there to because, you know, he disrespected his family, he's a creep, you know, you don't do that, and I'm going to, you know, and, and then he would just whip his ass. That's, a, yeah, and, and I mean, even that's fine. You know, he whips his ass, and then, um, and then the angle at the end is however they keep him there, you know, whatever it is that they're they transition doing into somebody bigger than Jeff. Jeff or, you know, him and Jeff Jarrett, or whoever you is, you go with that. But, um, so our, if that's how it happens, if Shelly isn't even competitive against Sting, but Shelly is who draws Sting out of retirement, but he ends up losing the Sting decisively, is it is it okay? Is it worth doing? Or are you actually hurting Shelly more than you're helping, if that's the way they go with it? Well, it depend, again, it would depend on how you need to have a good angle after the match, after he kills Shelly. You know, you'd have to have something that like that like goes, okay, you know, he came back and damn, now he's got now something really happened. He's got a reason for revenge. He's got a reason to you know, he's got a reason to, to you know, I hate to say it, chase Jeff Jarrett around. Yeah. Um, but does it hurt? Does it hurt Alex Shelley? Well, Alex Shelley's getting TV time from you know, and with his gimmick, which is not, and his gimmick is not just I'm a you know, I'm an X Division wrestler who does high spots. Yeah, exactly. So in that, so in that sense, yeah, I mean, I, that's and he gets a chance to show some personality and do some promo work and and all that. So in that sense, it's a um, it's a next step in his career. And getting and at this point, getting beat by Sting, who's being treated as a special, you know, icon legend. I don't think it hurts him too much. So, but I don't think it also puts him in the, you know, puts him in the position to um, then go feud with. AJ Styles or anything. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a small step for him. But I mean, honest to God, I never even thought. I just <laughs> thought, I just thought, okay, it's a way to put. Hey, you you might be right. There may not be a match. I, I look at it as they're they're living up to their word, and and the fact that they said Sting is not just here to uh, to wrestle established names, but he's here to give rub and, and establish other people. Alex Shelley is well liked in the locker room. Management likes him. He's got a really good attitude, and 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 they like him maybe best of all the guys who you would group in as in his category on that roster and I think there there might be a sense that they're going to actually give him a competitive match against Sting and you know what though I would give I think it'd be a mistake to give him a competitive match against Sting and here and, and here's why I mean I can't believe I'm kind of arguing it this way but here's why remember when um remember when the Dudleys got like just destroyed and then they brought him back against um against the Canadians and they had that even Steven match. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. Yeah. but the, you know, but it didn't really hurt. You know, it really didn't. It really didn't help um, Scott Demore's team, and it hurt the Dudleys because the Dudleys were on defense about half the time and back and forth, and they finally just won a wrestling match where they really should have been angry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, you know, and killing the guy. Because making this person. To me, to me it's, I'm for. I'm definitely for pushing. You know, pushing some of the some of these guys, the newer guys, and giving them chances and giving them personalities and all that. But to me, if you had a match where Al Shelley really has never beaten anybody that memorable yet, because they're just starting to do this. Yeah. And so, if you had a match where Sting came out and he's really angry that the, you know he he came out of retirement because he wants to beat up this guy who was filming his family. Yeah. You know, if you think about that, someone someone sneaking around and filming your kids. You're going to be pissed. Yeah. You know, you're going to really want to make them pay and make sure they never think about doing that again. And then he goes out and has kind of an even Steven match and wins it. You know, even makes the guy tap when we haven't established that this guy is a threat, is you know, real physical threat to to stars. I don't think that helps Alex Shelley that much, and I think it hurts Sting as being the special thing. But what I could see doing is. Um, Maybe beating up, you know, maybe Sting comes through and, you know, rolls through him 
and the crowd goes crazy and all that, and Alex Shelley gets beaten. And then you have a next chapter for Alex Shelley. Yeah. Where Alex Shelley is furious. Or Alex Shelley, you know, Alex Shelley is furious, and he's still taking pictures, but he's, he's got an angrier edge to him. And he goes out and, and, and hurts somebody else. Yeah. And he starts hurting people. You know, he smashes them with a camera. He does, he does, does something where he's, you know, he's, he's got a little more complex to, complexity and a little more kick-ass to his character. And then, you know, and then you could come, and then you come around again in a, two or three months and have that more even match where people are ready to look at Alex Shelley and go, damn, you know, he turned it into a real heel. And I wonder how he'll do, you know, how he'll do because he really got, you know, this really made him furious. And then you have the, then you have the more of the even match. And you have Sting, you know, Sting doesn't even have to lose, but Sting, but Sting can, um, Sting can make him seem more important. So it's, you know, again, it's in the execution and how you tell the story. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to what we talked about on the first update, which was, you know, if you just have, if you just have some guy go out who's, who hasn't been established, and you have him go out and beat Sting, and you know, beat and beat Samoa Joe, and, and beat you know AJ Styles and, and Christian, and you know, win the title in four you know four weeks in a row, and it's the wrong guy, and we you know we don't know why he's doing this. Then everybody just scratches their heads and goes, "These people are nuts." Yeah. So I mean, it's you know, it's how you said you know, it has to be the right person at the right time. It's a good test to see how how good this uh, booking crew is. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it is. But there are those possibilities. Sting, Sting gives you those possibilities. Christian gives you those possibilities, and you know, you know, Jared doesn't. Yeah, you know, to be quite honest, I mean, he just doesn't. And you know, how about how about uh, the news of Samoa Joe signing uh, a multi-year extension and, and renegotiating of his deal? Uh, you know, roughly double the pay or more. It takes him off the open market. It locks him in at a, at a re, at a income level that he can be satisfied with. And not feel like he's, you know, slave labor or completely underpaid. Um, you know, it sounds like he's content with with the deal negotiated. And you know, the other option is go to WWE and, and end up like CM Punk, um, which is which is I'm not putting a value judgment on it. It's just the way it is. You go to OVW and you spend a year or two there being being knocked down and rebuilt up from scratch. So you don't think that you actually brought anything to the table that WWE didn't instill in you through their genius trainers and, and machinery and system. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a fact. I mean, whether it's readable or not, it's a fact that there's not that many places to work for even Samoa Joe. You can work Ring of Honor at a certain level and, you know, be at the top of it, but Ring of Honor hasn't grown to where they can pay more and more money. And um, in Japan, you know, the Japanese, you, you, you maybe can get a NOAA. I mean, New Japan is just... In horrible shape. I just never thought that would happen, and, and that and that quickly or, or the way that is, they can't afford to pay much of anybody, and there's not you know there's not other places for him to go. So as far as market value, ability to go to one place and to go to another place, because of how he's perceived in in WWE, he doesn't. As you talked about, he doesn't have that much negotiating leverage. And TNA can, and I think TNA kind of halfway did both sides. TNA took some advantage of that. That, you know, they can say, okay, we're going to, but they did give him, you know, they did, they didn't hold him to the $30,000 or whatever it was he was making a year before that. They gave him a raise, and I think you kind of put it to me, and I think you've said it on the audio, they, they gave him a raise where he could say, okay, it's a, you know, it's a better, it's a better living and I'm happy with this. But the problem, the problem to me is, if they're still putting him in main events, 
you know, second to the top or top, which is what's going, you know, which you know is going to happen with, uh, you know, with with the X division. And a year from now, he's looking around the locker room, just the TNA locker room, and going, "I'm in the same level matches that Christian's in, that Christian is in, and I'm in the same level matches as as this guy is, and this guy is, as, and as AJ Styles is in, and as Christopher Dan. I don't know how it compares to Christopher Daniels, but but clearly he's." You know, less than AJ Styles's, and they're putting me there. You know, and I'm, and I'm, you know, the top performer in the company as far as entering work, and entering work counts with this company for a lot of fans that order the thing, and I and I'm still getting paid substantially less. You're gonna you're gonna end up down the road with not a happy employee, and he's one of your top. You know, he's one of your top guys, and he is. You know, he is one of the people that people order. You know, people order TNA. One of the people that gets orders, I I would argue, is, is Samoa Joe. And you know, and I'm and not only that, but people are saying that I'm you know I'm the wrestler of the year and I'm in the matches of the year and all that, and I'm still being held held back. And so you know, and, and in the meantime, I'm taking this beating for this and and all this. You're going to end up, you know, you could end up with a lot less of a Samoa Joe than you had, or you could end up with. You could end up with another year down the road, and some—who knows—something changes, and it's not so much a buyer's market anymore. Yeah. And you remember, you know, you remember that. So there is, you know, um, a pro sports pays, you know, NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA, they put, they pay by potential more than they even pay by what you've done. And you know, I think that I think there's something to be said for paying Samoa Joe something. With potential, you don't have to pay him. Like we know he's going to be the next rock. We know he's, you know, we know this company's going to take off. And he's going to be that. But I, but well, you you told me something that you gave a pretty good compa- a person to compare to. I forgot. Christian. Oh, okay, sure. I, I think, I think, about I think in the realm of Christian would be, you know, Christian has, you know, Christian has that WD exposure, but Samoa Joe has stuff that brings him to. To the dance at that at that level. I mean, I'm not even talking about paying him more than Christian, paying him exactly as Christian, but somewhere where he's in the same league because he's he's in the same league of value in the way you know in the way that they push him and the way that they feature. And um, and I would I would argue that he, and I really would argue that he, and I think we've seen it in the ratings too. That I would argue that he, in fact, has the potential down the road. Much more to be the breakout star than Christian does. So, um, you know, I, I mean, there's there's that. So I think they probably they did. You know, they they could have just made him eat it, which would have been a big mistake. They didn't do that, but they probably didn't do as much as they much as would have been wise to do. Would have yeah. been better for their business to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if they paid him this, I think all they had to do is pay him. Twenty percent more than they absolutely had to pay him in order to keep him, in order to earn some goodwill, and ideally they would have paid him somewhere close to what they truly think he's going to be worth to them over the next three, four, five years. Also, the I guess the good news is is that means Samoa Joe is going to be locked into TNA, so they can now invest him in invest in him one hundred percent and not worry about losing him in a year. And he's also now available to Ring of Honor for several years, and he's available uh, to indie, indie promoters for several years. So it, it does keep, if, if you truly believe Samoa Joe can be a big deal and WWE might ruin him, I think this is good news for wrestling. Oh, I, I think as far as, my, as, far as me self, me being selfish, 
far as being a fan who watches this stuff, I would much rather him stay with TNA. Yeah, you know, he gets I'd much rather him stay with TNA and the, you know, and and have the opportunity to work other places. And you know, let's say Ring of Honor grows, let's say TNA grows, then I mean, it, it, there is scenarios where he where it could work out more lucratively for them. Let's say indie, you know, indie promotions get off their ass, um, and you know somehow and and. Guys, actually, you know the guys. The guys, the certain guys are draw on the indie scene. Yeah. Which I'm not sure that you know. I'm not sure that anybody is on the indie scene right now. But um, you know, uh, you know, let's say that starts to happen, then you know maybe he, you know, he gets more days and his price goes up for that. So I mean, yeah, that I, that could go. If that someone way too, but just just as a person who knows that I'm going to pay that thirty, that twenty nine ninety five, and I'm going to you know I'm going to get the D, the Ring of Honor DVDs. And I'm going to enjoy Samoa Joe. I'm going to enjoy that Samoa Joe a lot more than I would the Samoa Joe I'd see in Ohio Valley or the Samoa Joe that I'd see in the Spirit Squad or whatever they do with him. Uh, I think Samoa Joe would be great in the Spirit Squad, but let's not go off on that. <laughs> I, I can't, said that with evil intent. <coughs> he can dance. You know, that'd, actually be yeah. pretty, that'd be pretty funny. But at least no one would complain. They all look the same. Um, they complain about something else. But, yeah, you're right. They, I know they, they all look the same. Yeah, they would. Uh, hey, The Rock was in the nation at one point, and he broke out. So maybe that's Samoa Joe's ticket. You know what? Though, when you think about it, it's, they've got the Will. You know, they, they they've got the Will um, Will Ferrells in the Spirit Squad already. If you've got Samoa Joe, he could be like the Horatio fans. You know, the, the funny fat guy. There you go. So anyway. All right. Um, I think with Joe, it's kind of like the NBA trading deadline ending. Now everyone can just relax and know he's going to be here for the rest of the season. The season being several years. Instead of wondering, God, you know, do we really get behind him? Because, God, he's in a contract dispute, and if we can't come to terms, you know, he's going to leave, you know, at the end of his contract. And so now everyone can just settle in and go, he's one of us. He's on our team. Let's let's do what we can with him. And now let's prove, you know, that he's he is a big star. And, you know, you, you hope the resentment towards his Internet popularity is, is less in TNA than it would be in WWE. I'm sure it is. Yeah, although, you know, there were signs. I mean, it wasn't so bad the last pay-per-view, but there were certainly signs the pay-per-view before that, that there was some resentment, but um, no. Now you can, you know, but yeah. Now you can kind of go with him. And the truth of the matter is, he may look around and go, you know, you know, I should be paid like Christian. I should be paid like AJ. And he probably does feel that way. But he's got to be happy that the inequity got changed some, and he's, that he's doing better. Yeah. And so you know, down, you know, but after a while, better becomes, you know, better becomes the ground floor, and then you start looking around, going, I need to improve again. Yeah. So um, it might come quick, but you know, in, in a year from now, if and I know that they plan for all this, you know, a year from now, and all their plans come to fruition, and and you know, they're they're more than a break even, they're in the black, and he's a major part of that. Then they'd be wise to sit down again and go, okay, you've really you've really worked out for us, and your potential is really you still got more potential. So we want to, um, you know, we want to make sure that you're we want to extend we want to extend your deal and give you a raise in the existing time on your existing contract as incentive to sign longer term with us. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting how the politics shake out with Kevin Day, the new CEO, coming in and not really playing bad cop, but just saying, you know what, this isn't, I don't even know if he knows about WCW, but his attitude is certainly this is not WCW. Everyone's going to be held accountable for every dime that they earn and every dime that's spent. And But that doesn't mean that people won't get paid what they deserve and, and a fair amount, but we're not going to have fat cats sitting around who, as you always complain about Bruce, and rightfully so, oh, we were here three years ago when times were tough, so we should have a roster spot. You know, Kevin Day's kind of walking in saying, nope, you got to show that you're producing now uh, to keep your job. Um, all other things being equal, loyalty goes to someone who's been around a while, but you got to be pulling your weight. It's going to be interesting how that plays out on Jeff Jarrett because 
I don't think uh, Kevin Day has any attachment to Jeff Jarrett, and he's got you know a decent amount of power to come in and, and make recommendations to Dixie as an objective uh, kind of virgin. Well, center you've also got to be able to go, but you've also got to be able to really, with a critical eye, look at who's viable and who's not. That's the tough part for Never a rookie. This stuff before you may not know exactly. I know, I know. It's, it's yet to be seen how much of a quick study he is and how much influence he ultimately has. But the feeling right now is that Jeff has a little le- less power this month than he did a month or two ago. Um, and, and that part of that could be Jeff just saying, you know, that the heat was getting to him, the pressure was getting to him, and he just wants to step back and be one of the major players. We'll see. There's something to talk about in three, four, five months, not at this moment. but Because um, it's one of those things you'll believe it when you see it. You know, it's like we'll believe it when Triple H works the undercard at WrestleMania when we see it. Um, how about... The uh, we're talking about the ECW reunion show. How about the WCW reunion show? Are you excited about that? You know, you you're gonna really you caught me flat footed. What WCW? <laughs> Pat McNeil talked about it on his audio up there earlier in the week. I, I love the name. It's uh, called Six Oh Five. Uh, at the oh, 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 God, I, I was thinking WWE's doing a WCW. No, no, I was, I was intentionally. No, 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 you mean the one that my, my, my good buddy South Corinthians is. Gotcha, oh. yep. Okay, yeah, all right. I like the name, 605 The Reunion. I, think I do pretty, like the name 605 The Reunion. Yeah. That, that's pretty clever. I mean, it went over my head like the first four times I read it, and then it clicked. Oh, okay. But yeah, they've got, but you know what, Central. It's hard at five oh five here. The reunion you've got to do. Remember when wrestling was was wrestling and it was really great and we all got together at six oh five on Saturday night. Yeah. You're doing a nostalgia show. Yeah. Now I will say this: I am. I will buy that pay per view. Very <laughs> well, I'll buy that pay per view. The second I, the second it comes on, I'll be I'll be sitting there with um with open arms and, and eager eyes and all that. Um. But one of the reasons why I'll be doing that, and I kind of wish it was, I wish it was live. Yeah, I know. Is the train is the train wreck? Yeah. You know, is the heroes of wrestling train wreck? Yeah. You know, that 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 this cast of characters and all these people on it, and some of them, I, you know, some I've seen some of them at conventions, and I've seen some of them with that. Um, I think, I you know, I think it'll be interesting. You know, it'll be kind of fun for for those of us who watch wrestling, you know, watch these stars when they were in their primes and all that. And I will say this, um, if you haven't seen the Midnight Express on the indie scene, um, they're all, you know, they are the over-the-hill gang, but they know, they're they not athletic at all anymore. But they know every little trick, every working trick from the 70s and the 80s and part of the 90s. They know every one of them. Yeah, and their timing, and you know their timing and all that. It's kind of fun to watch. You know, it's kind of fun to watch. You wouldn't want to watch it every week. You wouldn't want to watch it every month. But if you haven't seen it, that that part's kind of fun. Yeah. DDP versus Canyon on top of the promotion, on top of the card. I I do wonder about that. But then you look at the people on this show. You know, who could actually simulate? You know. Well, I think it's Scott Scott Steiner against Buff Bagwell probably is the top match. Say say that again. Scott Steiner against Buff. You know, I want to see that. Yeah. No, I mean, I want to see that because I'm like, that has potential to be hor- to be horrible in a way that we haven't seen horribleness in a while. So does Hexide Duggan against Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, and that, you know, in that, a different um, way. I, I just remember seeing, last time I saw Nikolai Volkov was 10 years ago on the Sal Corrente show that I wrote about in the Torch, I think it's in the Torch Archives somewhere. And um, speaking of people I made really mad, I mean, there was some thread that was asking me of people I made mad. I made Sal Corrente mad, who has something to do with this. Um, and it was just, it, I mean, he's he's close to 60 now, whatever he is, but he was, you know, 
he was way over the hill then, so I'm thinking 10 years later that has that. The thing to me that is interesting about this that I have never gotten an answer for when I ask about it is, you know, this this comes out, I think this comes out, Sal Corrente and uh, this same cast of, you know, Diamond Dallas Page and Bill Laughter and all that, they, they did the big wrestle reunions in Florida. Mm-hmm. that had Kevin Nash and they had like this long list of just incredibly expensive talent that had you know when you just start putting pen to paper had to lose had to lose an enormous amount of money yeah and they did it again um, I know in the Northeast I'm trying to think where they did but they did it again in the Northeast and again had this huge talent roster that cost an enormous amount of money and I know this one did even worse and you would think that I mean I I don't see the money-making potential of promo- that, that this group is going to have the promotional ability without television. You know, how are they going to market it? And we've seen, you know, these pay-per-views. You know, there's there's the hardcore Japanese pay-per-view every month that does nothing. You know, and that's on every month. Yeah. You know, there's, there's those, you know, there's been, you know, AWA nostalgia pay-per-views, and there's been this, that, and the other thing that's put up that we don't even cover that much because it makes it makes no blip. And so I'm real curious who's putting up this money. Well, did Sal Corrente promote the Heroes of Wrestling event in '99? No, that wasn't him. Okay, why? Why is he mad at you? Oh, because if you go back and re, if you go back and reread, um, he did a show and he did a show outside of Charlotte that had a lot of old wrestlers on it, and he did it in this minor league ballpark that was it was a minor league ballpark. But it was brand new and. Um, he got all. He got all these. It was one of these deals where they they spent too much money on talent. They spent too much money on the wrong talent for the area. Um, they had this show and nobody showed up at it. And not only that, but it was really goofy in a lot of ways. Like he like he booked himself in a match. The team with the Samoans, with the Samoans against um, I forget who it was. I believe it was the Road Wars. And the Road Wars are there, and you can literally. They were there on this indie show, and you could watch them. I'm not making this part up. I wrote about it. Um, you could watch them. They were driving up and down the street next to the ballpark, and the ballpark was kind of, you know, the street was elevated, and the ballpark was kind of down in a valley. So you could watch them in this limousine go up and down in the limousine. They're partying in the limousine. Mm-hmm. You know, drinking and having a good time, and you could watch them going up and down this thing. And it was just, you know, were, were they actually going to come in and come into the ballpark? And I wrote this. I wrote a you know full length column, and I made we made a lot of fun of Mr. Corrente. Yeah. And he wasn't, ha- and it was a financial, you know, it took a financial bath. The city took a financial bath with it. You know, it was, you know, we're going to come in, we're going to bring back wrestling, we're going to do this in this ballpark, and this is going to be a big deal. And you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of promises made, and they lost a fortune. On the uh, real deal with Pat McNeil, he interviewed Sal Corrente uh, this week. Oh, I did not know that. I, I talked to, you know, I did talk to Pat about this. I mean, I didn't yeah. talk about, you know, you know, Sal Corrente has this long history of it. But, you know, it's one of those deals where um, then I go to whatever indie show I go next, and Dan Paris, who's the longtime correspondent for, you know, virtually everybody for a million years, you know, came up to me and gave me a big earful about how Sal Corrente liked to strangle me. <laughs> so, um, you well, know, it, it's like... Sal, it was Sal, fun to write, and it was like it was fun to write. It was I had a really good time at the show, but not necessarily for the reasons that um, that Sal Corrente wanted. He wanted wrestling fans to have a good good time. It was one of those you know ego driven. I've got this great idea. And he brought, you know he Sal was from um, the Northeast, so he brought in to you know, um, right outside of Charlotte. And he brought in these 
you know, at a lot of expense, he brought in these stars from WWF who really didn't mean a whole lot and, and, and flew them down. And he flew people, I think, out of, you know, he flew, flew the road warriors out of Minneapolis and they, they weren't cheap at all. And this was when they were, you know, I mean, you can imagine they were still players at this time. They were still, you know, they're still going between WWE and, and WCW and kind of the height of the. So, um, you know, so anyway, uh, but I'm real, you know, I'll watch this show. Is it going to be a good show? I don't know that it will be, but I mean, it's going to be interesting. Is it going to, you know, make a blip or make, I don't see how it has the slightest chance to make any money. And I still would love to know who the money person you know, that gets the likes of Bill After and, you know, the people that start run, come running, you know, Jimmy Hart to me is like, if there's a if there's a big money guy who wants to get into wrestling, Jimmy Hart's going to be very close. Yeah. He's got, a, you know, he's got a lot of experience in, in getting close to these types of people. And, yeah. you know, he's he's involved in this and, these, you know, a lot of these people. And Diamond Dallas Page, he doesn't work for anybody. He's always been close to this. And there's that part of me that just wonders whether it's if it's not Diamond Dallas Page. You know, the Diamond Dallas Page made a lot of money and misses the wrestling business, and you know wouldn't want to be looked at as you know the ridicule that he would face if that came, if that got out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it is, but I mean that possibility is. But whoever it is, that name has never come out. And um, usually, you know, usually when the people want to put you know want to spend a fortune starting a wrestling company, they want people to know about it, and they you know. They want some attention, so it's. Um, it was fun. Pat McNeil didn't get around to asking that question because I think he got to like the third question, and Sal Corrente then went on uh, like an eight-minute speech, and at the end, Pat was just like, "Well, uh, thanks, Sal. We're kind of up against the clock here. Appreciate your time." And that was pretty much how he ended it. I can, I can only imagine. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, Sal was just you know going down each match, and he goes, "You know, if you can't get excited, I'm going to be most excited about seeing Jimmy Snuka. That's why I'm going to." I'm going to be cheering and standing on my chair. And if, if you get to a point as a fan where you... Know you, what, you know what? Jimmy Snooker was at that show. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Sal says, when you get to the point where you can't, you know, really get excited and essentially mark out, he's saying, for, for a wrestler from your past, and that's time to stop being a fan. And he starts going over each wrestler on the show and each match and each wrestler and... It was pretty funny. Hey, I give him credit. I think he genuinely is not looking down on anyone who orders a show. I think he genuinely thinks he's putting a show together that a lot of people should be very excited to see. I don't think he's looking down on his audience. I think there's a genuine uh, affinity for the show he's putting together as much I as... Think some, you know, I think sometimes what happens is people think because they're excited about something. And, hey, I love some of those names. Jimmy Snuka, um, to, Jimmy Snuka in his prime... Um, I mean, he was one of the three or four people that got me to be a wrestling fan. Jimmy Snook as this badass U.S. champion in the Mid-Atlantic, was literally the scariest person I'd ever seen to that point, you know, live to that point in my life. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he, he was just great. And, and so I understand that enthusiasm, but I think sometimes people think their experiences are everybody else's experiences. Yep. Yep. And they think that, God, I mean, this makes me so excited. Well, there's got to be a ton of people like that. And I think if anybody has, anybody who's lived the experience um, over the years, of, you know, of running these type of shows and finding out what really happens, it would be Sal Corrente. So I also probably think he thought, you know, hey, I'm on this Torch, Torch Audio Update with Pat McNeil, and I'm going I'm to make hay while the sun shines. But, yeah, I mean, I think he probably, you know, I think that the fact that he keeps doing this, you know, it's a lot of what happens with these indie guys. It's like, wow, 
you know, God, I grew up watching the Iron Sheik. And he was, and I was so excited. And I'm going to bring him in, and all these people are going to come and see it. And, you know, there's, this, there's that thing, you know, the difference between being a name and a, and a draw. Yeah. And a, there's a ton of names, and there's not very many draws. But the idea, if you haven't seen Jimmy Snooker, and the, but, you know, if you haven't seen Jimmy Snooker on Raw when he makes those little appearances, you know, you know, he's 60-something years old and lived every minute of that life. That's not the Jimmy Snooker that came off, you know, came off the top of the cage on the Don Morocco. Yeah. You know, that, that, it wasn't 10 years ago. It was kind of sad 10 years ago. So, um, you, know, I'll, you, know, I, you know, I understand what he's, what he's saying. These were big deal names. And I am enough of, you know, number one, a glutton for punishment and a car wreck enthusiast um, as far as wrestling shows go. I want to see this. And I am also enough of, you know, love the history of the business and I want to see what happened to some to some of these people but are there a lot of people like me no you know are there a lot of you know alright anyway so anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that uh, Dave Penzer is listed as one of the talents in attendance Dave Penzer see that see I, I agree with you I'd start laughing I mean that, that there's that part of, there's that there's that there's an unintentional humor that's definitely going to be a part of this kind of thing. It is too bad it's not live. I, if people want to read about the uh, Heroes of Wrestling event and, and read uh, Bruce's review, my review, Jason Paul's review, and my match report, it's it's in the uh, in the VIP section in the archives. If you do the pop-up menu, it's it's right underneath the WWE, WCW, and ECW pay-per-views. There's called a miscellaneous pay-per-view library. Just highlight that. That'll take you to it. So. You can read Bruce's recommendation for money marks because you, you had a public service announcement. You you had listed other ways somebody could get a, a thrill out of losing a quarter of a million dollars if they're a wrestling mark and, and want to uh, want to spend the money wisely. So you know I've never understood if you got a quarter million dollars and you really you really love all those guys, why don't you just invite them to your house yeah. and pay them to come to your house? You would well don't give yeah that's that's pretty much what you recommended in your review of Heroes oh, okay. Wrestling. Yeah, I'm repeating myself. You, you yeah, said I mean, you said hire Stone Cold or The Rock to hang out with you for the evening. Maybe they'll let you wear the title belt for a while. Oh okay. Oh, that's yeah. And you had you had three or four other suggestions too. So oh, okay. Anyway, that is in the archives. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it is too bad it's not live. I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, getting back to tournaments, what's your thought on the uh, big meeting uh, apparently scheduled for Monday, Vince McMahon all talent all staff meeting? I I would definitely assume that I, you know you know I haven't been told this. I'm just assuming. Um, I would definitely assume that it's the announcement of the drug policy. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me. Just the timing is right. Get 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 it out there before Mania. Implement it right after Mania. Uh, but when the mania hype begins, you can say, "Yep, we've got it in place, and it starts April fifth or May 1st. And, you know, and they've got, you know, they've got one of their quarterly <coughs> quarterly stockholders yep. meetings coming up. So yeah. you, you make the announcement. You say, "I would, I would expect if that if that's what this is, that they would have a company and details. Maybe not all the details, but you know, major part, you know, major structure of the plan." There should be a PDF file that you can download from WWE.com or or the corporate website. That's got the policy, and it should be public, and it should be open. Um, it's it's that's the only way to do it, and have have to have it have it have credibility. And I think Vince will do that. I think Vince, Vince doesn't want to do a drug policy, but it's Vince's nature. And I talked about this in my update yesterday. It's Vince's nature that when he does something, even if he doesn't want to do it, once his hand is forced, he wants to do it better than anyone else. He wants breaking rights to something, and he wants to brag that he's got the best drug policy out there, so that he can demean the others for being hypocrites. Which is such a bad idea. I can't even, you know, that part. Yeah. So bad. But um, 
such a bad idea PRIs. It's, it's amazing. But um, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of. I, I don't. That's exactly what he. That's yeah. exactly what he'll do. You know, I can see WWE.com and their their quest to get more hits and to take over the internet and and, and run parasites like you, Wade Keller, out of business. Um, I can see them, you know, televising the drug test and then putting <laughs> up, you know, and then putting up the results like immediately. Yep. I oh, I could, that, I, honestly, I could see them saying having a, having a news update going three three wrestlers randomly tested for drugs before Raw today because they don't want the torch to have an item saying before Raw this week. You know, uh, you know, three. You know, you know. And what they could do is have a VIP site for WWE.com. So you have the normal WWE.com go three wrestlers. You know, three wrestlers have been suspended for um, throwing their drug test, and then to find out, you have to go to. Um, you know, the, pay, the WWE VIP pay side. Not, not only that, but you can have Todd Grisham interview the guy who stared at them when they peed in a cup. Oh, you, know, you have them, yeah, no, you could have them, you know, you have them have the meeting where they tell them, you know, look, you've been suspended. <laughs> and then as they come out the door, Todd Grisham can ask them, how do you feel? That's true. You know, and then, I mean, and hey, there's drama. There's real, you know, yeah. there's real life stuff. And not only that, it puts over WWE as, you know, the caring, you know, the caring clean drug thing or something. I, I still am just amazed that, I, I don't know, I, I, I just am amazed that they have this, like, policy that they're going to try to put independent reporting out of business by breaking their own stories and pissing, pissing, being inconsistent. You know, you got the, we're really sorry to announce Matt Capitelli uh, and, and, or has brain tumor and, and uh, Mike Durham is dead, uh, Johnny Grunge is dead, but, um, you know, Tim White, you know, one box down, see him attempt suicide for the seventh straight week. And then you got, you know, Hunter and Stephanie are pregnant. And, and all of a sudden, and Hunter's like, what? You reported that? Use my real name? I mean, there's just no consistency, and it's all to try to take hits yeah, away from Hunter, Hunter's really, Hunter is really ready to beat the hell out of John Cena. Yeah. You know, at the same time. It's yep. like, that's, you know, yeah, it's, um, no, I mean, we've said it before, but it's like, then, then the parasites, those of the parasites get to go, okay, this is why this is going on. And we explain this one and go through this one and all that. It actually brings interest to what we do. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's, I mean, it's their right to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm, oh, not, I know. I mean, I'm not worried about it and, and we'll, we'll, we'll adjust to, uh, to being scooped by WWE on all those important stories. Um, I mean, it, in a sense, it just makes our life easier because it's what most, it, really, their, their website has become what most media entities get all the time with whatever they cover, which is called press releases. When if, if an NBA team releases a player, a press release is issued. If someone's suspended, a press release is issued. If you are covering the local government and something happens, short of, of course, the vice president shooting someone, generally word is released officially through channels. That's all WW.com is. is Did you w- say the, the vice president got really drunk and shot somebody? I didn't say he got drunk. I didn't. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 he had a beer. He had a beer. Oh, a beer, yeah, that's what they do on those hunting yeah. trips. And then, and it was su- it was a, such an innocent beer that a woman who was there the whole time had insisted the day before there was absolutely no drinking. So, but anyway, um, on a serious note, I mean that is what happened. You, you work for the local government, and the, a bill passes, or, or or somebody resigns their post, or somebody you know an, uh, an aide is fired for some reason, a press release gets issued. That's what WWE.com is now. It tells us. The basics of what's going on, like any other ent- media entity would receive as a courtesy from the entity they're covering, and, and now they're doing it in, in their own format. Uh, but it's fine with me. I mean, I, if the dicks are released, Organ- you know, if they organized it. it, and I mean, if they just organized it, it could be and thought it through some and had some sense about what they were doing. Yeah. You know, it could it could be a generator of hits, and it could also, 
you know, it could also be a good public relations machine that would work with them. And part of it is that they kind of divided it into, you know, real news <coughs> releases of, you know, who got who got dropped and, you know, Matt Capitelli getting hurt. And then on another page had their little entertainment and said, this is entertainment. And, you know, and just, and stayed out of, and I kind of agree with Triple H about this. I mean, yeah. stay out of, stay out of the part that, um, that is going to get you into trouble. It's like, if this is a story where there's more than our side, just stay out, you know, there's more than our side, or we look bad because we acted poorly, don't report it. You know, well, or, and this is what's weird is, yeah. is they're so out, they're so worried about getting scooped by websites that collectively have 25% of the readership of, if you count all independent websites, maybe 25% of the readership of, of their site, and it could be quite a bit less than that, which is, of course, natural. I mean, NBA.com has, has an incredible number of hits compared to, the, you know, the independent. And I would also say, and hire Derek Bergen, I mean that real seriously. Yeah. But, yeah, I know you do. Um, you know, but this is the thing. They're so they're so eager to they're so eager to get the scoop on the dicks that they announce they're released three days before Michael Cole and Taz are going to call a match of theirs and pretend it's live. Yeah, just don't do that. I mean, because I mean, the dicks are on SmackDown this week, and Michael Cole and Taz don't talk about them in the past tense, and they talk about it like this is Friday night. Thank you for joining us here on Friday night. The average fan goes, wait, I just read they got released. What are they doing wrestling on Friday night? And I know a lot of fans get it. They know, okay, they were released. This was taped or before. But it's not like WWE acknowledges it. Just wait to release that, that they were released until Saturday. But they don't want to do that because then another website will have the scoop because the dicks will tell people. You know, and, yeah, and, 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 you know, I can see where you go. Okay, I can even see spoilers (laughs) where you click on it or something. Yeah. People are looking for that, already know. And... And you just enthusiastically write about your products, and you enthusiastically write about. And you know the other thing is, if I work for them, if I work for WWE.com, and when I say that, what I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, if they listed everybody in America in terms of who who they would want first and who they want last, I would be the last person listed. I think. I mean, I might be the, the fifth and the last, but I mean, I would be the last person. So when I say that, don't read anything into this, but. Um, You're just bitter because you interviewed for a job and they turned you down. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, I'm so far down the list. Of, yeah. You know, you know, I'm, you know, All right, go ahead. I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, good lord. I mean, I, I do what I do, and I, I don't sit there, and they don't sit me. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, just put some, just put positive stories and write positive stories. About, and if I worked, but if I, if I was the head of WWE.com. I would think, here's where I am on the corporate ladder in WWE, wherever that is. I'm the head of WWE.com. Triple H, no matter how hard I work, is always going to be higher than I am. So I would, I would find some time to talk to Triple H and go, what makes you comfortable and what makes you not comfortable about what I report about you? Yeah. And, then, and, and, and anything else. And I would write that. I would take notes on that. And then, whenever there was anything that made me go, I wonder if Triple H is concerned about this, would be concerned about this, I would get in contact with the guy and go, look, I want to run this past you. And I would err on the side of not pissing that guy off. Yeah. And it's not because, and it has nothing to do with honesty and integrity or anything like that. It has to do with the place that I work. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, just, I, mean, I can imagine when I write my little um, letter to the parents every week, that if I started making snide comments about the principal, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's like, and maybe they'd be true, you know, maybe yeah. they'd be true. They actually would not. I, I, 
I work for somebody I really do respect. Sure, but, sure. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. But I mean, but if, let's say, but you know, if I had some issue, if I put it, if I put it in there, and I'm right, and I put it in that thing, well, guess what? I just screwed myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just you know, you just. So to me, when I read, when I read that that Hunter, does, when I hear this stuff, and you hear it all, all the time, that Hunter doesn't like it when they do this, and Hunter doesn't like it when they do that. But aside from the fact that he might be right, and he might he might very well be wrong. You know, I just want to keep the guy. I want to keep the guy happy because he's in power and he's going to stay in power. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and if that means not put, you know, getting scooped on Stephanie's pregnant by him, uh, you know, by her husband, then I get scooped. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, at the end of the day, I could go home and be fine with that if my job was to be a I, PR, you know, be I, a PR vehicle for. I would think that the internal structure of WWE on a whole should be set up in a way where if you're going to reveal very personal information about the daughter of the owner, the daughter of the chairman being pregnant, that that might be something you would want to get full approval on from the woman and the man, the mother and the father, before you publish it. The fact that Hunter was blindsided by that really is a sad a sad example of how there's a lack of communication in that company and a lack of ability to, to know who do I talk to to make sure this is what should be done. Or even that you take two seconds and look at your website and go, you know, Matt Capitelli is doing this really serious thing about cancer, and we've got this stupid, not even stupid, we've got this suicide comedy, this dark comedy that we're geniuses with. Maybe I should, maybe I should refigure my, you know, and this, and and Nick Foley talking about Eddie Guerrero's death. Maybe I should refigure this so that. On this page, I have the serious, real thing. Exactly, yeah. Or it's just on the, this page, I go, hey, fun page, blah, 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 you know. I know. All they have to do is have a little, little, you know, news items box at the bottom that talks about serious stuff, and it's presented in a very bland, AP-style approach. And the stuff where you've got the boxes and the pictures and the serious, the, 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 the storyline type stuff, you know, continue to have that, the storyline stuff. But there does need to be separate, there should be separation. But, you know, whatever, I mean... It's 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 their website. So, all right, Bruce. Uh, in the end, more to words of Pat McNeil, we're up against the clock. So, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a night. Any other any other subjects you wanted to get to? Well, I believe that um, as we get closer to the six oh five pay per view, that we should go through it match by match the way Falcon did. Uh, we will. We will. All right. Thanks, Bruce. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>